TheChairShot.com. TheChairShot.com. Always. Always. Use your head. You are now listening to ChairShot Radio. Always use your head. <laughs> you know, I gotta start some. I gotta start with something stupid. Um, yeah, that was pretty bad. That was that, that. That may be categorically the worst one I've ever done. Yeah, and you know, to cancel that out, since that was so horrific, I'm actually gonna play some really cool music. With a tear in my eye, this is the greatest moment in my life. Shout out to my guy, uh, Sa, for that. Yeah, little, uh, little throw to uh, one of our other projects, Chain Wrestling. I think it may be Ray's favorite music ever. I'm charged up now. Re- Welcome to Midweek Mainstay Chair Shot Radio Thursday Head Trauma. I'm hyped now because that is my favorite song currently. <laughs> play that on loop all day. In fact, we may just grab what we wrote down for the show and just play that for, yeah. for 45 minutes. <laughs> or an hour. Uh, by the way, those of you listening, I know you know what it is, but in case you don't, my name is Rance, a.k.a. Ray Cash. I am with the pod father himself, the big fish, Mr. Mags. This is Chair Shot Radio. Um, happy Thursday morning or whatever time you listen to this. Mm-hmm. Thank you for uh, choosing us to get your weekly dose of some head trauma. The good kind, not the CT kind. Um, and uh, man, what a hell of a weekend, bro. Wow. I mean, big returns, um, shocking squashes, uh, the last hurrah for, for NXT. and. Killian Cross, um, uh, Karrion Cross is, is now a dollar store demolition. Hmm. Yeah, it's been a, a fun old time in the world of wrestling. I'm, I, you know, look, I'm, I am a Karrion Cross supporter. I can't even, I can't, I can't figure that shit out. No, I, I mean, I don't watch Raw. Uh, I've made that clearly obvious, but I see this. I see. The, the the backlash on Twitter, hoof, he got some grief for that. I mean, the he's not had the best of stars to his raw career, has he? Losing to Jeff Hardy in a squash match, uh, being split from his uh, uh with his um, uh, uh, partner, wife, uh, Scarlett, who uh, was clearly the biggest part of his character, and now he's dressing mm. like he's going to a, a BDSM show. See, yeah. well, first and foremost, that's hilarious because it does look like the Gimp from uh, what movie was that? Um, Pulp Mad Fiction? Max. It looks like the Gimp from Bad Max. Does, yes, yes, that too. But you know, and I know this is not what we plan on talking about. But I get so <laughs> no, tired of hearing. Wasn't. I get so tired of hearing Scarlet was the best part of his character. Scarlet did nothing but stand there and be sexy. 
if that's what y'all think was the best part of his character, y'all wasn't watching the shows. I mean, what else is as he got then? This is not Just, what we plan on talking about because because we can scrap everything and talk carry across today. <laughs> no, I mean we've got some cool topics, but uh, yeah. for me, I mean, I don't think, uh, and I've, we've mentioned this um, uh, in private. I don't think he's evolved from what he was on the Indies. Um, I think he's the most kind of. He just has one facet to his character for for me, and I think at least Scarlet okay. brought something different. Uh, and I think that's that's without without Scarlet being there, he just he does look kind of exposed. I will give you credit for that. The one facet character point is true. There does not seem to be multiple layers to this mm-hmm. Doomsday character. And I think the layers we're starting to get is you saw him start. You saw him starting to wear the gladiator skirt, and now he's literally dressing like he's Axe from Demolition with the gladiator mask. Shout to Lord Humongous. You don't know who that is, but the rap fans know who I'm talking about. And the uh, the suspended, yeah. So maybe he's turning into a gladiator overnight. Mm-hmm. Maybe you remember when when uh, Magnus was Brutus Magnus before he flipped. Maybe this is that. Yeah, I that's mean, a, that's a, by the way, that's a deep cut. That's a deep I, cut. Brutus Magnus, that's a deep cut. I don't. It's not a character for me. Let's just sure. I'll put that clear out there. But I can see why WWE wanted to put a character on him because he's like a modern day version of of Stone Cold without the the charisma. Um, he's wears black black uh, black tarts. Uh, bold head, muscly guy, but there's nothing really stand out about about his look. And WWE wanted to get something sellable, uh, so at least this kind of uh, it, it makes him different. That's not always a good thing, but it it makes him different. He stands out. We're not supposed to start the show this early with us disagreeing this fervently. I fervently disagree. He has a fantastic <laughs> look. The the, but but it's a look that you see everywhere in wrestling. That's the point. I, I don't. I disagree with that too. I <laughs> oh, no. Let me tell you. Let me let me tell you why. Every, this is the end of the show, guys. Right. Well, uh, <laughs> am I getting fired from another show on air? Is this is this like town number five? Are you firing me? There you go. <laughs> I'm gone. For context, we're actually using StreamYard, so I can uh, I can actually remove him from the screen. So yeah, that was just a little dig. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I I, I get you, I get your point, and I, I you know I always respect your opinion. But for yeah, me, same. I've seen multiple different uh, iterations of the the character and the look of Carrying Cross. Um, that doesn't mean that you that. see that. Yeah, I'm not disagree with that one bit. Yeah, no, no disagreement there. There has been, I don't think he's the spooky guy, but there has been the big talk, um, bigger, dark guy a lot. Mm-hmm. The yeah. differences are, number one, first and foremost, was, and I give you this, credit for this, Scarlet absolutely helped the idea aesthetic. of the character, the aesthetic of the character, because she was his angel of death. And I think that was a dope idea. Like when he fought Keith Lee and she dropped the, she brought the hourglass to him. By the way, those of you who watch the NXT on Raw and you laugh about the hourglass, you never watch the NXT. 
he's been using the hourglass since the day he debuted. Yeah. Another I mean, thing. That, the TikTok has been part of his character since he was Killer Cross. Yeah, but you know, people always telling themselves, you know, it's revisionist. You know what yeah. wrestling wrestling social media is like very, very revisionist. We're gonna speak about some revisionist topics again today, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we can maybe go a little deeper in Karen Cross one day. Let give him some time to develop, see what he's doing. He Matt, may not be getting yeah. steam, but he's getting over in terms of what he's doing in the ring. He's on TV. That's it's it's a lot better than a lot of the wrestlers are. Uh, for my final word on on Karen Cross is, I think his character where he was wearing a suit and a tie, kind of like a hitman. I think that was the most invested I've been in in Karen Crossfit. That is a perfect style character for him. But uh, let's we we've got um, more kind of a uh, pertinent topics to talk about than uh, Karen Cross going to a, a swingers party. Um, Jesus Christ! <laughs> yeah, um, this, go ahead, man. We, we we mentioned in in the in the opening of the show that this has been a huge week for wrestling. Uh, CM Punk back, which you and uh, and and um, Chris Platt covered beautifully earlier in the he, week. Uh, he was there, by the way, for that. He was. He there. certainly was. Yeah, he certainly was. Um, then we had uh, uh, the highs and lows of of SummerSlam, um, and then the potentially the last hurrah of, of NXT. But something that's that held that something else that has happened is we've uh, we finally heard from one of the most controversial uh, people in wrestling at least over the past year or so um we've we've had an interview a sit down interview with uh with Nick Khan the the devil himself the uh the cut man of uh of WWE and the reason why I wanted to to talk about this because usually an interview would be um, nothing really kind of newsworthy for us. It's usually towing the company line, sound bites, la di da di da. But what's really kind of interesting to me is how quickly and how wrong a lot of the the uh, the takes of wrestling Twitter uh, has been over this interview. A lot of sound bites and clips of what he said. In, uh, in, uh, in quotation marks on this interview being taken as verbatim uh, and, and really kind of uh, disparaging not only him, not only Ariel Huwani who sat and did the interview, but also the, the, the company line. It's almost like people have read into what they wanted to, to hear or what they wanted to think about WWE and made a judgment without actually listening to what the guy said or without actually watching the interview. I mean, for context, I have seen thousands and thousands of different takes on what Nick Khan has said, but yet the video has only got, as of now, 37,649 views. That's crazy. So, so that, that to me says that people have been making judgments without watching that, that video. Yeah. Would, pretty- would, would you say that that sounds accurate? Pretty cut and dry. Thirty-seven views is what a match gets. Uh, what uh, uh, the worst match on Raw or SmackDown gets that in fifteen minutes. Mm-hmm. This has been out since Friday. Well, I I, I watched it uh, the day it was released, uh, <clears throat> and when I watched it, which was a, a few hours after it had been out, I was still in the thousand, less than a That's thousand crazy. views. But yet, I'd seen hundreds and hundreds of takes on this on this uh on this interview so what i thought would be a good idea would be for for us to kind of uh listen to what he said 
break it down and props to my my uh, good buddy here he went and and essentially transcribed this uh saved uh saved me a hell of a lot of work doing that so props to to you sir for doing that but i wanted to to look at what he actually said in the interview and kind of pick it apart get a an idea of what the man is like and also yeah. what what he actually did say and what has been kind of regurgitated uh into what he hasn't actually said so i thought we'd we'd, we'd do that at least for the first half of the show and uh and uh pick apart his uh, his interview um starting off the bat well hold uh, on before and... you before you start before you start real quick i think it's important to note that uh this wasn't the only interview he did this weekend he was on a podcast called the recode podcast it was maybe a 25 minute interview maybe about the same time same time frame and Recode has nothing to do with wrestling. So it was really interesting to hear that interview because I listened to both of them. I listened to that one too. Yeah, I've not and heard that one. Both illuminating into who the guy is mm-hmm. and kind of his ideology behind what he's doing. And um, you were about to say, and I, I didn't mean to cut you off, but shout out to Eri Hawani, who is one of the best interviewers in the business. Doesn't matter what, doesn't matter what company, clearly, but a fantastic interviewer. Regardless of how you feel about the guy, because I know some people hate him for whatever reason. Um, but yeah, I didn't mean to cut you off. I just wanted to make sure that we noted that this was a big weekend for him um, if in terms of a, the guy behind the scenes who never does interviews did too. And from a personal standpoint, this is his first big I came up with this idea moment happening mm-hmm. with SummerSlam on a Saturday at a football stadium. By the way, which is officially to this point now, officially to this day, if you exclude all WrestleManias, the most watched pay per view in, re- in U.S. history. Yes, outside of a WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. So hashtag needle movers. Ah, what's up, Roman? <laughs> I got my I got my big dog shirt on. By the way, travel. Yeah, team. um, he he's been vilified, uh, and I mean, with the way that uh, the 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 cuts have gone, and we've spoke about him multiple times. Um, it has felt cold and calculated. Um, we we understand it from a business point of view. Don't don't uh, make any bones about that. But from a moral point of view, from a fan point of view, we're as as uh, upset about a lot of these cuts as as everyone else is. Um, so yeah, I thought that th- this interview would be uh, a, a real good kind of uh, insight into the guy, his job in the company, uh, kind of his, his outlook on on the world of wrestling. Because one of the big kind of um, uh, ideas about the man is he's not in this for the wrestling; he's in this for the money. Um, I mean, there are elements of that, and he, he quite clearly makes uh, uh, his role known in the company, but. Yeah, there's a there's a there's a little tidbits in there that I thought were really interesting. And like Ray said, shout out to Ariel. This guy is just a machine. Um, and BT Sport have got a really good um, a good um, source here. Uh, yeah, huge, huge hire, huge yeah. hire. So let's get into it. Um, so we get uh, the first kind of revelation pretty much straight off the bat that uh, that uh, Nick actually used to be an agent and he used to be Ariel's agent. Um, and we get a, like, a little bit of back and forth about uh, how he never saw him uh, a- Ariel work for him. It was always him working for Ariel. And I think they mm-hmm. mentioned about uh, this was being Ariel's building and stuff like that. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, just just kind of like uh, to make sure that the uh, everyone has context and to make sure that um, to break the ass really to to start the conversation uh, fluid. Um, then and we... probably added to the reason why he was able to get the interview. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. We got into a lot of a kind of like um, an outlook of what what uh, Nick Khan is as as a guy as a wrestling fan. So he mentioned uh, uh, about being a lawyer uh, for seven years, and he really didn't enjoy the job. So he became an agent, and he wasn't really looking to to switch from that until he spoke with Vince. Uh, that he's been a lifelong wrestling fan. He actually worked at WrestleMania 9, which I thought was absolutely cool. Uh, and his reasoning for working there was so he could actually get in and watch the show for free. I thought that was a brilliant, brilliant little so sound back. Yeah. yeah. And you, I think you, one other thing you, uh, that I think you glossed over that may not, may not be of interest to you, but it's of interest to me, is that the only reason he's involved with WWE in the first place was because he represented them as their agent when they got the new deals for SmackDown yeah. and for Raw. But he had been a like a close personal friend of Triple H's for a few years. Mm-hmm. And he went to their, and, their birthday party and stuff like that. And that's when he was like, I could see myself working here. So like mm-hmm. those little things are cool because everybody think Nick Khan is trying to kick Triple H out of the family. Well, Triple H is the reason he brought into the family. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and we'll get more into uh, his re- uh, dealings with uh, with Triple H and, and Nick Khan's position uh, a little bit uh, later into into the rundown. But yeah, uh, going back to um, he is basically his parents came from Iran uh, and they were huge fans of their sheik. So this guy uh, who is uh, blambasted on on social media uh, for not being a wrestling fan and literally just doing these swervy cuts, he's been a wrestling fan. Longer than most of these people on Twitter have been alive. He's been in this. Um, he also yeah. was uh, speaking about how SummerSlam uh, is the same day as his uh, his anniversary of his wife, which uh, just goes to show how much wrestling actually does mean to him because he he was in all this press junket to promote SummerSlam when he could have been taking that time away. I mean, this, this guy doesn't need to do promotion. This is not his job. But he's still here uh, repping the company um, when it's uh, his, his wife's anniversary. And this is not me kind of like caping for Nick Khan. I have no dog in this fight. I just think um, he there's a lot of mistruths and kind of half-truths said about uh, about him on, on social media. Uh, people uh, reading little clips and, and kind of painting a picture of, of him as a person. And I don't think that's entirely fair. Well, you're not looking at this guy negatively or positively. You're looking at him just regularly. Mm-hmm, exactly. Yeah. And most people look at him negatively because they have negative connotations of him. We have neither. We're just literally explaining factual, tangible evidence. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and uh, again, I want to give props to Ariel Awani because if there's one thing that Ariel has never shied away from, it's ask, it's asking the hard questions. I mean, this is the reason why Dana White can't stand the ground that he walked on is because he he will ask the questions that everybody wants to ask, but nobody has got the balls to do so. So he, he mentioned about uh, the the swerving cuts. He uh, said, "Was this your doing? Uh, did was this all your decision? Because that's the the that's the picture painted on social media that you have Vince's ear." Uh, and basically, this was your decision. And he he said that there was a, a group of people and uh, involved in this. Some that we can understand, and some that 
that are actually quite um, enlightening uh, if you believe what is said in the wrestling um, uh, um, social media and in, in the wrestling journalism. So there's Bruce Pritchard involved, Kevin Dunn, uh, obviously both really high up in the company. Then you've got Steph and Triple H involved in this. And then obviously Nick Khan and Vince. Now Vince has the final decision, uh, which is something that um, a lot of speculation has been that that Nick Khan has got this kind of like authority to to do these cuts uh, without running it past Vince. He's clearly saying that Vince is still the guy that says yes and no to everything. But the interesting thing is, Stefan and Trips are involved in this uh, because if you remember, not long ago we had cuts from NXT. And uh, the rumour mill and the speculation was that uh, Trips was being frozen out, that he had nothing Mm -hmm. to do with this. Um, Mm -hmm. According to uh, somebody who was involved in those meetings, um, Trips was heavily involved and is still heavily involved. Um, So I thought that was an interesting little uh, little, uh, tidbit of information. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, you know, if you look at all their, this from a corporate structure everybody mentioned is with the exception of maybe bruce and he his title may have changed but are all evps right mm-hmm. done as evp of digital television of, the, of all television production steph is the coo or not coo but the see um the uh she basically basically she's like outreach the uh, the pr mm-hmm. that uh over that triple h is evp of talent and live events right all these people, Nick Khan is the president and CFO. Like all these people are over. They're like they're the top people in the company. So it makes sense they'd be the ones involved in making these decisions. Um, I, I feel for Hunter a bit because while I while he's involved, I don't think it's a sense of Triple H picking people like, oh, he gotta go, he gotta go. He no, gotta absolutely go. not. But I think it's what? more a sense of, well, if he you know, I got no choice. Is at least putting his input in rather than uh, being told, oh, by the way, Bronson Reed is not available to you anymore. Or, by the way, you in the shit for signing Samoa Joe. That kind of thing. Also, it gives credence to the idea that the reason Bray Wyatt kept getting taken off of the list to be fired is because Triple H was the one taking him off. Mm-hmm. Because yeah, remember, that was that, that's the belief among us is that the reason Bray Wyatt wasn't fired earlier because he was on the list multiple times because Triple H took him off so Vince couldn't put him couldn't see it. Yeah. Um but yeah it's interesting and he also said one quote involving that because they asked him how much do you feel any pressure um from these decisions because there's a lot of backlash from the decisions that you guys have made and he had a direct quote I think it was really really interesting and illuminating if you will. He said and this is direct a direct quote when something's a disaster I want all of the credit. When something's a hit I want none of the credit. Mm-hmm. It's interesting to think about that, huh? Like, if yeah. something's good, don't involve me. Something's bad, put it all on me. That don't seem like a person who doesn't care about what they're doing to me. No, that that sounds like a person who's got the the company, uh, the company's um, uh, benefit at heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, that's, that's that's what he's getting paid to do. Uh, he also. Um, uh, he also admitted that he's uh, he's actually on social media, and and this came as a big revelation because this guy gets hounded uh, on social media uh, on a daily basis with with comments and people wishing the worst things on him, and he's sat back and obviously seen a lot of this, 
and and soaked it up, and, and he's still able to make those, quite frankly, tough decisions to to cut people because even for someone uh, like Nick Khan, who is money, who is clearly money oriented, that's his job. He's he has to make these tough decisions. To see the the kind of backlash he's getting and take that on the chin and still be able to make them decisions, that's that's a braver man than I. That's certainly the braver man than I. Yeah. So, getting back to uh, some of the the other interesting things you said, and you've you've highlighted here an, another uh, direct quote, and I think it's a really interesting one. Um, he was pressed more about the cuts, and uh, and he said to Ariel, "Is this person for us going to move the needle now or in the imminent future?" And I think yeah, that, that needle word, yeah, exactly. But I think that that kind of uh, uh, succinctly in a in a quick point shows exactly what he's been brought on to do to make money for the company and if somebody is costing a company money like he's like he's dictating here if they're not moving the needle then that that person is is liable to be on the chopping block and to be let go unfortunately that that's the life of business that's what uh, a company the size of the WWE is is looking to do everything is about the the dollars and cents but why should I get so sick and tired of this altruistic, fake, martyrist, martyrist world we live in or society where people want to act like, oh, well, you know what? Companies shouldn't want to make money. Mm-hmm. That's the entire the only reason AEW or Impact or New Japan or Ring of Honor or uh, Max Pro Wrestling or whatever it is can work. It's because they make the money so that you can see the good things you want to see. It wouldn't work. If Tony Khan wasn't a billionaire, there'd be no AEW. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter how bad people wanted it. Doesn't matter how many wrestlers are out there to wrestle. Sinclair didn't Sinclair didn't own Ring of Honor. If Dixie Carter's family didn't own or sell it to Anthem, that's why Anthem owns it now, the Owl people for mm-hmm. Impact. If Vince... It, it, People act like they're so sep. Those two things are so mutually exclusive. They are not. You need to have a good business acumen and standpoint for the wrestling stuff to work. It's not that hard to understand. Yep, I I, I totally agree with you. I mean, as as I've said, morally we can think that this is not good because we uh, we can get attached to these wrestlers uh, on a on a personal level. But from mm-hmm. a business standpoint, if somebody's not making you money, they're costing the the business money. So it, it's it, it makes sense to cut that deadwood. It, it's it's how businesses thrive. You're not telling me that anybody listening to this show or uh, who has their own business would say, "I'm making enough money now. I'm, I'm I'll I'll stop. I'll I'll, I'll yeah. slow my roll." It doesn't like- work like that. Like Jeff Bezos, you think it's because he's worth more than like every country in the world except for four? He's gonna be like, "No, nah, son, no more money." Mm-hmm. There's a there's a famous part in the movie Moneyball. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but it oh, tells the story it, yeah. of Billy Bean and the Oakland A's, where John Hill's character is brought in from the other team, right? And he's, he makes him the assistant general manager, and he says, "You have to learn how to cut these people." So he's like, "Show me how you would cut me." And Jonah's trying to be all his friend and stuff, and he explains to them, they're ball players. This is what they do. This is the job. You can't be emotional. You can't sit here and feel for them. This is the job. You're going to have to get comfortable telling people 
they don't work for you anymore. Yeah. And when he did it, he had to he had to tell Carlos Pena he had been traded. Simple as fuck, Carlos has been traded. Carlos was like, damn. Okay, All right, thanks. And kept it moving. That's the job. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. I totally agree with you. And again, we can dislike it on a on a moral level, but sure. on a business level, it works. Sure. I don't like it either, but yeah. So going back to some more of uh of the interview where he mentioned the 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 tryout that they recently had said that they signed uh, a dozen new talents. So it, it clearly shows that WWE are still open for business. They're still uh they're still open to bringing in new talent. Uh, and he makes a um some really interesting comments about the the style of talent that WWE are looking for. Uh, and um, I'm kind of like jumping a, a little bit ahead of uh, of Ray's um, uh, bullet points here, but he mentions about how they've had indie wrestlers come in uh, and and NXT not really working. I mean, he didn't say in in so many words, but he was saying how NXT uh, had that indie feel. Uh, and they they uh, they didn't want to do the the same kind of thing for Raw and SmackDown, uh, and they they essentially want WWE wrestlers, not indie wrestlers. They want people who come in and learn the WWE style from day one. Well, what he's saying is that's that's spot on. It, to kind of further explain that a bit better, if you look at Raw and SmackDown and NXT especially, it's already literally indie wrestlers. So why keep mm-hmm. doing the same thing? Why not be different? Mm-hmm. And this may be the one portion of this interview where AEW actually, the, the kind of comparison between the two makes sense because you're never going to out AEW, AEW. So just be different. Why not? Can't hurt. Yeah. Now, I hate that so many people had to leave in, in, in the process of getting there. But yeah, be different. If you look at If you look at the main roster... Well, I'm sorry. I need to get out of the habit of saying that. All three brands with the main roster. If you look at Ron SmackDown, any of those guys are indie guys. Mm-hmm. Even the people you don't even think is indie guys are indie guys. It's an indie legend. Tyler Buck, you know, Cesaro, yeah. Claudio Castagnoli. Ricochet. Yeah. Yeah, so he, it, 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 it's the, the 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 way that WWE has thrived throughout the whole of their their um their their tenure as a company that they've they have changed with the times and uh, they changed wrestling in the eighties and they, they want to keep being that kind of innovator going into into the future. So yeah, going back to uh, to some of the earlier points in 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 the interview, uh, and one uh, topic that we've certainly had um, debates and disagreements on. Um, he spoke about whether um, uh, the company was up for sale. Ariel again with the hard hitting questions: Is the WWE up for sale? He sees the the talk on Twitter much like I do. Uh, and at the beginning, Nick was kind of um, aloof. What did you would you say? Kind of like didn't want to commit. He mentioned being that uh, the company's open open for business. That his phone is literally ringing off the hook every single day. Uh, and if uh, people call with a, a credible business plan, uh, such as NFTs, trading cards, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, they're willing to talk. So Ariel pressed, which uh, I absolutely love about him. He would he would not let this lie, and he said. Is the company for sale? 
would you accept an offer? And he said, and Nick said, the company is not for sale. We are not trying to sell the company. We are trying to grow it. So thank you, Nick Khan, for making me look a fool for months on this show. You I mean, asshole. <laughs> I mean, you know, what's that like 10 for a two for Max? Is that is that what that number is? Like that? I mean, I'm happy with that batting average, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> uh then go on. Oh, I was gonna say, hey man, like everything they've done shows they want they're trying to grow it. Uh look at the number of sponsorships they have with uh SummerSlam this year, the pure life thing. They got the, uh, there's a liquor, I think, that they're working with. There's a whole bunch of different things. And what you're about to go into next, they brought back that fantastic Triple H term, global localization. This, I mean, it's brilliant because I actually was really impressed with WWE's kind of uh, stance on on spreading the, the NXT brand. A lot of people saw it as kind of like strangling um, the, the wrestling business. And I can I can see that point of view. But at the end of the day, as we've said earlier in the show, no company wants to make less money. The whole point of, uh, of this of, uh, global localization was that uh, WWE were able to get wrestlers and, and promotions and get into more markets than they've ever been in. Um, it kind of didn't pan out because of uh, of the pandemic and uh, and was kind of put on the, the the back burner. But what I think this shows is uh, another kind of issue that has been going around on on wrestling social media that that Triple H was getting flack for this global localization uh, policy, mm-hmm. and it's clearly he wasn't because Nick Khan seemed to be fully on board with, with that. So it's clearly something that's still in the pipeline, something that, uh, that uh, Triple H may be heading up, but the company are still 100% behind them. So all this talk of uh, there being power struggles and and uh, Vince versus uh, versus Triple H and, and Nick Khan versus Triple H, it seems that that's a lot of, uh, of uh, dirt sheet talk. Bollocks, if you will. It's a lot of bollocks, an absolute I, lot of bollocks. I, I don't think Nikon is is doing exactly. He's I don't think he perceives global localization the same way Hunter did, because Hunter's perceives global localization as kind of putting a seed in every continent for wrestlers. I mean, Hunter's always going to think about wrestling because he's a wrestler. Yeah. Nick is thinking from a business standpoint, and he mentioned things like growing global media rights. Mentioned how they had the Indian spec, the superstar spectacular, which was massive business that they had for them and want to do more things for more other areas of the world. We hate the Saudi shows, but that's a huge gesture of goodwill to that area of the world for people who care about that product who can't get it any other way, right? The the Mina deal, whichever whenever they get that done, if it ever gets done, it's gonna be massive. Talked about making the special merchandise for the different places they go to <laughs> that are special uh, for that event or for that town, that's yes. a big thing. He mentioned it, about. The, oh, I'm sorry. The, the, he mentioned the billion dollar uh, shirt that was only available at at SummerSlam to a limited print of five hundred. I mean, those are cool, um, cool things that that nobody else is going to be able to get hold of. So, um, yeah, I think he's definitely got his his finger on on the business pulse of of WWE. One hundred percent. 100% and these are all I think genius moves because again you said he said they're trying to grow the company mm-hmm. how do you how do you grow a company that's all that 
that that is how do you how do you make Coke bigger? How do you make Disney bigger? <laughs> how do you make Amazon bigger? Like I don't make copies on my copy machine. I make copies on the Xerox machine. Yeah, that's made by Rico, because it's, you you know what I'm saying? like that's I don't blow my nose in t- tissue. I blow my nose in Kleenex. That's made by this company because that's what you think of. So how do you grow WWE? You do stuff like this. Yeah, and and uh, WWE are already kind of in that position because outside our um, uh, little wrestling bubble, and 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 no disrespect to AEW, getting brilliant numbers for for Rampage, uh, great, props great for them. numbers, great, great numbers. numbers, but the 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 genuine uh, man on the street. Um, if you mention professional wrestling, they think WWE. It's as simple as that. They're the biggest brand in the game. Like if you mention. Uh, uh, cola flavored product, they're gonna say Coke, they're gonna say Pepsi. It's it's that simple, and um, every company is wanted to grow. And, and this is uh, this Nick Khan coming on board is, is obviously a, uh, an attempt at WWE to kind of grow their market, which is it's totally understandable. But let's get back to some of his uh, some of his can quotes. I, can I tell one funny story, real quick? Real, okay. Just real quick, the funniest non WWE story about that whole dynamic of WWE being wrestling to a lot of people is Kurt Angle when he saw someone in the airport. And they're like, Kurt Angle, man, where you been? I love you. He's like, yeah, what's up? He was like, do you still wrestle? He was like, I wrestle every day. Where? <laughs> Kurt Angle wrestled in TNA longer than he wrestled in WWE. Mm-hmm. But again, it wasn't WWE, so how would anybody know? Exactly. I mean, that's uh, kind and, of and, and that shows how small our bubble is. We may think we've got our finger on the wrestling pulse, but 95% of wrestling fans are not on Twitter. They don't care. Uh, anyway, let's get back to uh, get back to this uh, this interview. So he actually does. Uh, he's asked about uh, the releases and AW uh, and how they're becoming the the face of of uh, the competitor. That's a great. That's a, that's a great question, by the way. It's a fantastic question. Mm-hmm. That you're releasing all these people and they're going to this one company and now they're the top people in that company. How would that make you feel? That's a great question. I, 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 didn't, I didn't mean to interrupt. I just want no. to point out how fantastic and how bold of a question that is to ask. Absolutely. And and he he says what we've always kind of uh, assumed in the wrestling business that, uh, that WWE don't see wrestling companies as competition. Uh, and he gives a really good analogy and I think it, it works perfectly he mentions about uh horses in a horse race uh how they put uh blinkers or blinders on the horse so they can't see the horses what's going on all they can see is straight ahead uh and that's how he envisions uh wwe that they don't look at what's happening here or what's happening there they're just focused on on wwe's uh path in 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 wrestling and in and in making money which are again Business-wise, it's it's a perfect strategy. It's a genius strategy. It's tunnel vision, and it's what every company should do. The more energy, and this is a critic. We're falling into the trap that we get mad at people for doing, and I apologize for that. I acknowledge that on air that we're doing that because I'm going to mention again another AEW thing. I hate when we do that. I hate when people do that. So I can acknowledge now that I'm doing the, the things that I hate. You but, become what you hate. <laughs> I, look, hey, I told you I'm a reformed contrarian. I'm working on it. <laughs> um, but it's very true 
because this is the thing that's going to hurt AEW long term. Because the more time you spend worrying about your competitor, and don't for, don't tell me he doesn't care, because he responded to this interview, Nick Nick Tony Khan did on Twitter. Uh, but the more time you spend worrying about your competitors or or the other people that's that that are in your sphere, the less time it is you worry about your product. And I know there's a lot of people at home going to hear this and say, Ray, number one, shut the fuck up. <laughs> number two, they're going to say, well, Vince clearly worries about their competitors. He's worried about all his competitors forever. I would venture to say that's not true. Has he worried about his competitors before? Absolutely. WCW almost put him in the grave. However, WCW, this is not. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And WWE is not the same WWE that was around uh, in 2001. It's a a totally different beast. Yeah. Yeah. WWE wasn't even publicly traded back then. They were still owned by Mm -hmm. one dude. Right? They they weren't even... They were still giving non-guaranteed contracts with, like... What was Kevin Nash's deal? Like, $1,000 a week for, like, guaranteed, like, 20 dates or something? Yeah, what it was ridiculous. It the, was the lowest the lowest wrestler on the main roster regular is probably making at least two hundred thousand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At least. So yeah, it's a different company. Yeah. So then we uh get into the the the, the meat of this interview, the two topics that I really wanted uh, uh him to touch on. Uh first of all, the, the NXT. Uh he, he didn't really go into a lot of the specifics that, that I would have liked him to have covered uh, about maybe the, the the war against AEW and, and and how NXT has kind of uh lost its way. And you can definitely check out uh, uh a round table that me and uh, Ray were a part of. Uh, on that on Radio Techers, yeah, really cool interview uh, where we were outshone by the Queen of of any. Um, it's not even fair, dog. Like, why do they even show up? <laughs> but he mentions how uh, NXT are going to have this new brand, this new feel, um, a new look, uh, and it kind of set my mind at ease uh, when you when you hear about how NXT TakeOver was the last hurrah and uh, basically NXT's in the mud and, and all that stuff. I think he he, he, he kind of, uh, he, he calmed the waters when it comes to uh, NXT going under, for me, at least. And it made me feel better about the tapings because apparently the idea behind the tapings is to get these out so they can work and prepare mm-hmm. for the new revamp. So yes. if, if the tapings are just temporarily until we get New NXT or NXT with the coat of paint on it, I, I can rock with that. Yeah, and then we get to the part that has been probably the most clipped, probably the most taken out of context, probably the most uh, vitriolic uh, of of the the statements that he made in this interview. So he was asked again, Ariel hitting him with the hard hard questions. He was asked whether Raw would benefit from being two hours. Instead of three, <laughs> and um, local love, Nick, folks. Yeah, so Nick, uh, in I mean, I'm not, I am not Nick, I, I'm not putting a kind of context or words in mouth, but from me watching the, the interview, uh, a lot of what he said was almost tongue in cheek. It felt like it would be tongue in cheek, and he was kind of almost playing up to the character that he's been portrayed of uh, on on social media. But uh, Ray's got the 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 verbatim quote here, and he's put uh, from my point of view, 
Raw would benefit from being four hours, so we get paid more money. And SmackDown would be eight hours. But I understand that's our creative folks, as amazing as they are. There's only so much great content you can do on a weekly basis. So we are good with the three and three system. Two, two uh, and three system. Sorry, sorry that's two and three typo. System. Yeah, my bad. Hey, Ray, you fucked up again. I know. Okay. But the but the the point is taking that um, as text. You can see uh, that how that can can kind of be misinterpreted from what he actually said and how he said it in the interview. And this is the part that is really. Um, not really riled me up because wrestling doesn't rile me up. It doesn't. It doesn't. Um, it doesn't uh, have that kind of effect where it affects me outside of uh, outside of the wrestling sphere. But this was the bit that was taken out of context so much, and the amount of tweets I saw of people going, "Get ready for your four-hour raw," and uh, um, "Get ready for your eight-hour SmackDown," and your twelve-hour main event, and twenty-four hours wrestling WWE. All the way through, it's it's going to be heartless and souls. And look, he he was clearly being facetious. That he he in an ideal world would want to make all of the money. That's what he's that's what he was getting at. But he knows that that's not a thing that is going to happen. Um, what are your thoughts on on how he was taken, Ray? From my point of view, when I get wings, I'd like twenty wings. And if I could have my druthers, I'll take 40 wings. And <laughs> But you know what? As amazing as the chickens in this world are, I understand there's only so many wings they could give me. So I'm good with the 10 wings I get. <laughs> what a great analogy. <laughs> um, so then um, we're kind of wrapping up now. Um, we get back to... Uh, to um, kind of buddy buddy uh, patting on the back, and we actually get a little more insight on onto Nick uh, and his family situation. He mentions that his sister is a, a co-creator of the Rock's uh, show, The Young Rock. Um, the, Very uh, good show, by the way. Really good show. If we haven't got it over yet. I don't think. Uh, I'll, I'll definitely it'll, be, it'll be on. It's on the Peacock. <laughs> brilliant we don't have that um but <laughs> then he uh, he mentions about um about uh Dwayne about how huge of a star he's become uh, and that they're always in in talks for ideas and and uh, and spots he can do with the company mentioned about uh Roman versus the rock uh, now he's obviously not going to sell the farm but um he did hint that uh that it could happen it all depends on on business um, then he talks about uh, the pay-per-views, and we've seen this weekend that, uh, that uh, SummerSlam was on a Saturday. First time, I think, since Taboo Tuesday uh, that they've had uh, a pay-per-view that has not been on a Sunday. And it's actually, I think, the first Saturday pay-per-view since SummerSlam 1992, which is... Um, Wembley. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but he mentioned that this may be something that they'll be looking into doing uh, in the future, where... Um, there's uh, if there is a, a big and a big sporting event on, they kind of want to piggyback on that and kind of make as much money uh, as possible, which absolutely made sense. I mean, Ray mentioned earlier in the show that this was the most watched um, uh, SummerSlam and one of the most watched uh, pay per views of all time. It's just it clearly shows that the move to Saturday and, and going to these uh, cities that are not necessarily wrestling cities on days that are not necessarily wrestling days is great business. And let me give a little more context to that from an American standpoint. 
when it comes to SummerSlam on a Saturday, his his thought process was anybody that goes to Vegas, right? You're gonna go, you're gonna go for a weekend. You're not gonna do anything Sunday night because you're probably leaving Monday morning. Mm-hmm. When you get there Friday, you want to see the city first, right? Saturday is the perfect time for Vegas weekend to do something. Makes perfect sense. He also cited the show he's doing that they're doing on New Year's Day in Atlanta, which is a pay-per-view. The reason that's a genius idea is a couple of reasons. Number one, and he spoke about looking at the sports calendar and and trying to take advantage of days that aren't being utilized very often. Mm -hmm. Right Here in America, we know that college football is a huge pastime here. And traditionally, before the college football kind of uh, playoff system changed, the big bowl games, the biggest, were on New Year's Day. Now they're on New Year's Eve because we have a playoff system involved, which is a whole set of controversy for another show. How that they remember you for that. But <laughs> uh, Atlanta is a big is the the uh, the Peach Bowl, I believe, is in Atlanta, and it's a big bowl thing. It's one of the big big major bowls where they can have possibly have the national championship game. So there's a the Rose Bowl is on that Saturday too, but that's in California and that's not for that's not a playoff game. So that day is wide open on top of the fact that if everybody's going and Atlanta's a huge party city, especially for people of my ilk, black people, black folk, it's black Hollywood essentially, people go and want to party for New Year's Eve, they're not gonna go back to the regular life the next day. They're probably going to do something the next day. Mm-hmm. Right? Well why not be that attraction that they want? Mm-hmm. It's it's such a, it's you know I hate I hate things that are so smart that when you hear it you're like fuck why didn't I think of that yeah and that's one of those that I just it's and for the same reasons we give AEW all the credit there we go again damn it Ray for all out being on Labor Day weekend here in America and for Devil or Nothing being on um, Memorial Day weekend it's genius it's a three day weekend there's nothing else to do. Yep. So you have oh. a, a convention. You use up those three days, and you you pack as many fans in as possible. It's it, there's it's an art of simplicity. Yeah, so one of the, the and I, I, yeah. I'm, I'm 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 amazed it took this dude having to come in to think of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the last um, the the last bit I want to wrap up on on this interview is uh Ariel doing his little bit of digging that he does. He, he asks, uh, is there anything um, coming up in the next six, eight, ten months that, that fans can be excited about uh, that we, we don't know? Um, doing what we all would do if we had that situation, trying to get that, that, that exclusive. And Nick, cold as you like, was yes, a lot. Boom, <laughs> mark drop. Um, but but yeah, um, um, what's your overall thoughts on on how Nick came across in this interview? Um, how you picture him now? Now that you've heard his voice, now that you you know what the the guy is like, um, do you still uh, have the same kind of feelings towards him, or or is he kind of like open your eyes to to what he what he is as a man? You'd you'd be better off asking this question to somebody that's more IWC esque. Because I never had any qualms with the guy. Um, you know, people do tough jobs. Mm-hmm. And you're not always going to like people. Like, think about, and I'm, I'm being a little probably too morbid and too real here, 
But I think about because I've worked in healthcare, and I think about the doctors that have to tell these people that their that their family members are dying because they had COVID, you know, and how how hard is it to have to tell someone you, you're going to die? That's the job, right? And then there's going to be somebody that in that same hospital that has to bill those people for that work. Mm-hmm. That's the job. A lot of jobs suck. Nick Khan has a job that much like to be a little more jovial on the jovial side, like a referee in sports, that if he's noticed, he's not doing his job well. Mm-hmm. But if he if he's not noticed, he's doing his job fantastically. And oftentimes, if he's doing his job right, a whole bunch of people are going to hate him. Yeah. And it is what it is. I think it came out fantastic. I think it was perfect that he was with Ariel, who made him feel instantly comfortable. There was some rapport there. I think he answered questions fantastically i think he i think he quelled in my opinion and i'm ignorant and i'm stupid and i fucked up five times on the show already but i think he quelled a lot of the fears that a lot of people had now nothing will ever make up for the mass firings that they've done that like the one thing that he wasn't asked that i wanted to know was why did you call him budget cuts and just and just instead of just come out and saying we're moving in a different direction because the budget cuts line Sound makes it sound like, and we all know, makes it sound like it's a monetary decision that you need it. And it is not. But nonetheless, I think it came out very well. Yeah, I agree with pretty much everything that that you said there. I think uh, he's got arguably the toughest job in wrestling today. Um, he, he's been painted as... Uh, as the devil incarnate when it comes to to uh, cutting uh, popular wrestlers and, and wrestling uh, wrestlers who fans are really attached to, it's certainly a job that I would not like to do. But I think he, nope. he comes it comes across as somebody very level headed, very um, passionate about what he does, um, and this is just man and and Ray's views. It doesn't mean that. Um, that, that uh, we are the authority on on this, and certainly uh, hit us up with a tweet and give us uh, give us your opinions. We'd love to to discuss that with you uh, on on Twitter. So definitely uh, drop us uh, drop us um, a, a tweet if you if you disagree, if you agree, if you've got another viewpoint, we'd we'd love to hear it and 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 discuss with you. Um, but yeah, I just thought it'd be an interesting uh, thing for us to talk about, knowing how how passionate we are about this business and 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 how this this interview really spoke out to me uh so yeah i appreciate you um transcribing it and i appreciate you uh spending the time to sit here and 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 discuss it with us but uh let's throw to some uh, adverts we've got some bills to pay uh, here at Chairshot, uh, go and check out uh, our Pro Wrestling Teaser page. Uh, lots of uh, amazing designs there. Um, Jesus did the job. Hashtag journalist. Ironic. Um, so, yeah, go and check them out. Uh, go and buy a, a shirt. Go and check out some of the, the other content here at uh, thechairshot.com where we uh, we always use our heads and we'll be back after these messages. For every Baron Corbin suck shirt we, that you buy, we will donate $1.00 to us promotional consideration paid for by the following hey folks pc tony here thanks to our new partnership with angry lemonade you can save 10 percent on physical products and digital commissions using the promo code chairshot head to angrylemonade.net to check out their amazing catalog of products and services use the promo code chairshot to save 10 percent. that's angrylemonade.net 
Are you looking for the newest and hottest in the world of pro wrestling? Then check out the amazing action on powerslam.tv, the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world. Get over 6,000 hours of the best events from over 150 of your favorite promotions from 20 different countries around the globe. Brands like Progress Wrestling, Evolve Wrestling, Combat Zone, Defy, PCW Ultra, PWX, Over the Top, Shine, and hundreds of others with fresh content added every day for only $5.99 per month. Get your free trial today at powerslam.tv. Go to powerslam.tv, promo code chairshot. Get your free month. Again, that's powerslam.tv, promo code chairshot. Thechairshot.com. Always use your head. So... Uh, we 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 really broke down that in depth, and we wanted to because again, like Mag said, it was it's important to us. And I can't speak for a lot of other people. I know a lot of us here at the chair shop, but I don't want to speak for anybody that's not here. But I can speak for me and Mags personally. It matters to us. Mm-hmm. Factual evidence, the, the truth matters to us, whether it's positive or negative, or whether we agree with it or don't agree with it. The facts matter to us. So we wanted to make sure that that interview was factually transcribed so that you really get a true essence of what was said and what he meant. Mm-hmm. So we, we, I know it took a minute. I, I hope you enjoyed that. If you have any issues, questions, or concerns, not concerns, I'm sorry, I'm back at work, or any ideas, holla at us. But we want to hit a couple of quick hits because, again, when we record these things, inevitably we have a rundown and then something crazy happens. Yes. We got two quick, we have two topics real quick we want to hit on. We don't want to spend too much time on them because we know you got a lot of stuff to do already. You probably made it to work and you sit in your parking lot thinking, damn, Ray, hurry up and finish. We're going to try to finish. (laughs) We got you. First one is, there was a report that came out, we're recording this on a Tuesday. So that came out today. That Adam Cole is officially done with the WWE. Now, that report necessarily was not disputed, but it wasn't completely factual because Adam Cole, apparently, his contract expires this Friday. And once this Friday happens and his contract expires, then other companies can negotiate with him. And there is a belief that WWE has at least one, if not more, offers to still throw at him between now and then. So number one, Adam Cole, the fact that he's prospectively gone, is I think is one of the biggest stories in wrestling now. So number one, your thoughts on that. Number two, your thoughts on the way that this was all reported. So I'm gonna I'm gonna hit the the, the second point first. This to me was. Uh, was the single biggest grab, or it was an epitome of the single biggest grab I have with uh, with wrestling journalism. Um, for every Sean Ross sap that there is out there who uh, works diligently to make sure his uh, his news is a factual, double source. For every Tom Collier who's out there who uh, really works hard to make sure he's giving you the 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 truth as it lies. There's people who just essentially make it up. I mean, they can use educated guesses. They can use uh, uh, prior knowledge of, of how wrestling works, but a lot of the news, it's just, it's made up. 
and it was it was uh, stated that that Adam Cole's contract was already up, and that he had signed an extension just to cover this weekend. But the, then it's almost been backtracked now, and yeah, plans change, and yada yada yada. He's now contracted to next week. And then when that comes and he's still not signed with another company, he'll then, oh, yeah, he's signed up for, till the end of August. And then, oh, he's, he's rolled over till the end of the year. This is where sometimes just don't put all your your um, your belief. Yeah, don't put all your belief in the a lot of these uh, wrestling journalists because there's quite a few out there who, who aren't as, as kind of in the know as, as they may account. Um, going back to the first point, yeah, I mean, we we've mentioned it multiple times. Um, Adam Cole has done pretty much everything that there is to do in NXT. Um, win, lose, or draw, I fully expected this to be his last hurrah in uh, in the brand. Whether that means he moves on to uh, main roster, and we all have heard the rumours about him having a meeting with Vince McMahon and Vince absolutely fawning over him, offering him multi-million dollar deals, yada, yada, yada. Again, wrestling journalism, doing wrestling journalism things. But then we've also heard uh, the the rumour in innuendo that he's going to a certain Jacksonville-based company. Uh, we got all the Easter eggs on, on Twitter uh, from uh, the books and from Kenny and from, uh, from uh, Brit, all kind of insinuating, because they're wrestlers. And that's what they do. They they make money from having you looking at their product. And if that means teasing you that Adam Cole's coming, then that's working. There's only one person who knows what is happening with Adam Cole. And that's the guy. (laughs) And that's the guy himself. Only he knows. And I think Britt went on uh, an interview recently um, and saying, even she doesn't really know what he's going to do. They've obviously spoke about it. Um, and one thing that has really been uh, kind of the, the forefront of, of wrestling Twitter about this was his friendship with the books and his friendship mm-hmm. with Kenny being part of the elite. And they are great friends. They absolutely are. But it's kind of been whitewashed over that he, as if he doesn't have any friends in NXT, as if he doesn't have any friends on Raw or SmackDown. This is a business where the most of the wrestlers know each other very personally. He's yep. wrestled with dozens of main roster wrestlers on in PWG, on the Indies, in Ring of Honor. He is he is friends with people in every company. So just because he's had dealings with the books and the elite doesn't mean necessarily he's going to go there. I'm sure he'll entertain the idea of a contract. I'm sure he'll have uh, uh, talks with uh, with Tony Khan. And if he goes to AEW, good on him. Make that money. He's the hottest free agent right now. Make that money. Um, if he stays with um, with uh, WWE, I'm sure he'll be a huge star on SmackDown. I'm sure, he'll be a huge star on Raw. Um, but yeah, it's the the amount of stories behind. Uh, people in the know who who know his his contract dealings when they don't, and they proved that they don't today when it, they found out his contract was actually running out at the end of the week and not yesterday. Hey man, sometimes what what did my boy Chris, uh, my boy Herm Edwards said in, in um, for ESPN? Don't push send. Sometimes it's okay mm-hmm. not to press send. Mm-hmm. Um, 
to your point about the friends, I mean, Kevin Owens may be his best friend in all of wrestling. Yeah, Mount Rushmore. Right? Yeah, you talk about those Ring of Honor guys. Yes, the Bucks and whatnot, but Sami Zayn, Roddy and Kyle still there. Claudio, a.k.a. Cesaro. By the way, up, up, down, down, how big of a part of that brand he is with left, right, yes. left, right in the party. Him, mm-hmm. Woods, Breeze, and Cesaro. Major part of that. I, you know, there's it's both there's both sides has people he's close with. So ultimately, make the best business decision for yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, we it's interesting. We may actually have we're probably gonna have to do this every Saturday, it looks like one of these hour, hour and a half debates because the the radio techers chat was like live today about Adam Cole and mm-hmm. the possibility of where he's possibly going. Um and why. So uh, I'll save my thoughts for that in case we, if we do that. Um, but just know what you said. He he is probably the hottest free agent. And wherever he goes, if AEW gets him, think about Devil or Nothing gets just a week or so away. Right? So mm-hmm. that, boom, some, something for you hits, right? The crowd's going to lose their mind. If he decides to go to WWE, I mean... Brand new landscape on Raw right now. Everything is different. SmackDown got a lot of people. Uh, you know, it's it's uh, wherever he goes, he's gonna make his mark. And we're we're completely ignorant, ignorantly ignoring the fact that he could go anywhere else. I mean, new Japan would would snap him up in a heartbeat. Lord knows they need a new Gaijin, right? Because mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Osprey is doing Osprey things. Jay White, I think, enjoys being stateside now. I mean, that, you know? that, he could have come to NXT when his contract was, was done. Don't, oh. don't, don't, don't put your hand, don't put, don't, don't put salt in my wounds. <laughs> I still love you, Jay. One day, one day, my prince, you'll come home. <laughs> wow. The other... Other time, look, I love Mr. Jay White. Mm-hmm. I, in fact, I love Jay White so much, I'm thinking about watching Impact for Jay White. I hate <laughs> Impact. That's a needle mover. <laughs> we didn't even go get into that because that's whew. the well, we might actually get into that because the second item is my, my, my boy, my hometown brother, Mr. Booker T, um, is one to make controversial comments. Mm-hmm. And and mind you, I know Book a little bit. I will never sit here and be so ignorant and so arrogant as to say, "Man, well, Book's my boy." I don't I don't know him that well. I know him a little bit. I've had multiple dinners with him personally. I've spoken with him. I've been on his bus. I've had a chance to actually talk to do the bit. Right. I know Booker T likes stirring shit up for the purpose of stirring shit up. That's what he does. On his on his radio show here, the Hall of Fame. Here in Houston, he mentioned that he didn't like Punk's return uh, promo, specifically for two reasons. Now, watch much like we spoke about with the Nick Khan interview. Go watch the whole thing, because there are con- there is always context and nuance. But essentially, his reasoning was because Punk referenced WWE and he brought up the ice cream bars, and like a lot of fans, uh, well. A lot more of the other way, but like a lot of people, they're really excuse me, they're really tired of 
WWE cast-offs or people leaving that go to AW and continue to to just talk about that and just bring it up over and over again about my time in WWE and why I'm here and so on and so forth. I'm going to go first because I know you got a lot to say on this. Number one, I hate the word shill because it's so disingenuous. People always use it. Just be everybody's a shill if you don't like what I like, right? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I'm a Kanye West fan. You're a Jay Z fan. So you're a Jay Z shill. I'm a Kanye shill. Like it's stupid. I hate that word. I know that I know Book has said a lot of things that make people think that he's t- he's touting the company line. As a guy who knows him, that is not true. I'm telling you that from a guy that knows the guy. I can understand people being pissed about what he said here. I tend to agree. I I I understand that. And again, this is another argument we had in the Radio Takers chat. I understand that so much of the mystique of CM Punk is built around him leaving WWE and him essentially being the antithesis of WWE. I acknowledge that completely. However, Punk is such a skilled promo person that he did not need to do that. I don't think he needed, and to his credit, he was very graceful in his disses, right? They won overtly, WWE sucks, I hate you. It's mm-hmm. very clever and graceful. I couldn't get healthy in the place I got sick in, where I got sick in the first place. Yeah. You know, and I left professional wrestling August 13th, 2005. August 20th, 2021, I'm back. They were very clever disses, but they were very pointed disses. And that's okay. But as clever and as good a promo as he is, one of the best ever in history on the stick. I would have liked for him to really take in that moment just to talk about the fans. We know why you left. We know that you're gone. We know why you're back. We don't need to go and rehash old stuff. So I get where he's coming from. I ain't with him on the ice cream bars because that was a really, that was a love letter to my fans. Mm-hmm. So he can miss me with that. But I, I feel him on the WWE thing. But I know you got a lot to say, so that's why I wanted to go first. It's all you. Okay, so um, I, I want to kind of compare what uh, Punk said with with other wrestlers that have come in from uh, WWE to AEW. Um, so if you remember Miro coming in, his whole mm-hmm. promo was how um, he was never able to grab the brass ring and how uh, he was treated like shit in WWE. His whole whole mindset of coming in was he was a wasted WWE talent. You Mm -hmm. had Big Show come in, um, and for somebody who spent 30 years in the company, a multiple-time world champion uh, at the top of the card from, from essentially day one, he bashed the WWE. Uh, saying mm-hmm. that they, they kind of held him back. Um, then you have the likes of Sean Spears. I mean, he had a legitimate grab. He was he was fuming that uh, that he was mistreated on in WWE. I don't think Punk. What Punk said was was that scathing. He he's always come across as someone very bitter with with how it went in WWE. Uh, I mean, he's he's acknowledged multiple times how he was never the the headliner at WrestleMania. He never got his name on the on the collector cups or the ice cream bars. Blah blah blah. It was the whole kind of uh, point of his part bomb. 
I did a main event against John Cena. John Cena mm-hmm. main evented over me when I was champ. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then the the issue we had when uh, they they were giving him, uh, I think they're called C packs. Is it C packs or, or whatever? V pack. A Z pack. Uh, Azithromycin. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, when when he was clearly uh, feeling unwell. Uh, a lot of that got maybe debunked. Uh, a lot of kind of like uh, maybe he was remembering stuff that uh, that didn't happen at the times that he that he did. But he's always had this kind of like um, anger. I mean, he he sold his best friend down the river, Colt Cabana. Oh boy! Speaking of that, go look and go look and go look and listen to the story of how he treated poor Hornswoggle. <laughs> like. Yeah, that's one of the most foul things. Like, I'm happy y'all happy. I'll never begrudge the fans, his fans, for being happy. I'm happy he's happy. But as a fan, I'm completely alienated. I'll never, I'll never personally be invested in him again. Just won't. I mean, I've made it clear that I'm, I missed his whole kind of running WWE. Um, so I didn't have that kind of a, a affection for him. Um, but I saw what he, uh, the, the passion that the fans had uh, uh, um, at Rampage. And yeah, I kind of dug it. Uh, but the whole point I was I was trying to make, and I'm taking a long time to make it, was he, in his mind, had legitimate beef with WWE. He could have come out and said a hell of a lot more. He could have made this full 20-minute segment about how much he hates WWE. And he, he, he only really kind of alludes to the company. He doesn't mention anyone particularly by name. Uh, he does, uh, uh, I see uh, Booker's point. Uh, I think he compared him to The Rock, where The Rock would do a promo in Miami about about Miami, about the Miami fans. Uh, and um, Punk kind of chose to, uh, to maybe not focus on them as much. But he also then said, I can't say everything right now. I'm here for a long, long time. So I think uh, Booker, I, I wouldn't say he's towing the company line because the company line would be to not really mention it. The 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 whole idea of the company, and we mentioned earlier on, is it's got blinkers. They they don't see what's happening there in there. They see they just see the the road. So towing the company line for me is an absolute misnomer here. He would not have mentioned it at all if he was uh, towing the company line, and he's certainly. Um, he certainly has is allowed his own opinion. That's a whole whole uh, basis that the free world is based on. That you can have your opinion. Um, do I agree with everything he said? No. Do I agree with some of the points he said? Absolutely. Um, but but for me, um, this this is always going to be news. Every wrestler or everybody involved in the wrestling business is going to have a, a view on this because you then become you become relevant again. And I'm not saying Booker's doing this to become relevant. The guy is relevant. He's on. He was on uh, the SummerSlam uh, uh, pre-show. He's still involved heavily with the company. But uh, basically, wrestlers are going to have their opinions, and their opinions are not always going to align with your opinions. Uh, mm-hmm. That's just facts of life. 100%. And I mean, speaking of relevancy, he has one of the best pure new up-and-coming indies in the business. So many people of his and of his company get signed. Mm-hmm. He doesn't like you. If you think he got beef with AEW, n- let me name some people that have that are currently wrestling on AEW or have wrestled on AEW Dark Elevation from his company. Uh, um, Fly Def, the tag team, 
with Zach Mason and Warren Johnson. They've been on dark elevation the past couple weeks. Mm-hmm. Ring of Honor, I mean, a uh, reality of wrestling guys. Will All Day, reality of wrestling guy. Rebel Buddhist, reality of wrestling girl. So many, so many people have Rache Chanel, reality of wrestling. So many of these people, so many of his people go to AW to, to work their shows. Cameron Cole, the cool, the cool, he was on there not too long ago. Like Brian Keith, so many people from his company that he trained, his people are doing good work in AW on their Dark in the Dark Elevation show. So, like, it isn't a case of him towing, towing a company line. You know, in fact, this show isn't paid for by WWE. This show was the ESPN show on ESPN 97.5 here in Houston. Mm-hmm. So he ain't making no money off of this. Like, and I, 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 I hate this. Oh, well, if I don't like it, if I, I don't like what you're saying, so clearly the company got to tell you what you're saying. Like the whole Roman conversation with CM Punk about the needle mover. You, we just went, we spent 40 minutes or so breaking down the Nick Khan interview so that people could actually understand what he was saying and not run with a soundbite. You know how many people ran with this soundbite of Roman? He never said CM Punk didn't move the needle. Nope. He said you don't move the needle as much as the two biggest draws maybe in, in wrestling history. Correct. And again, it boils down to the, the point that I wanted this story to, to be the, the lead on the show, that uh, it's easy to take stuff out of context when you only read the little bit that gets printed. It's it's maddening. And, you know, we know how tribalistic that wrestling Twitter and wrestling fandom has gotten. We understand that it's been that way for a while. But the one thing that has gotten worse than ever is that now you're not even using facts anymore. You're making up things or or taking things out of context to make your point. And like I can't, I can't I can't deal with that. I can't rock with that. I can't mess with that. At least be factual. Yeah. You know, at least come with factual, tangible things when you say this stuff, because you can have your opinion. Everybody has the right to have their opinion, whether right, wrong, or indifferent. Man, if you're really going to have a legitimate argument with someone or a debate or try to make your point be made, come with some realness. Don't come at me with some some fakeness. Well, you know, Vince brought in Becky and Brock because Rampage scared them. So you're telling me that the show that they did before Rampage, they did 2.1 million and 790 hundred thousand people in that demo that y'all love so much. The show that come after that that did a one-time 1.12, great number, by the way, scares y'all enough that in 24 hours, you called Becky and you called Brack off the farm in Saskatchewan, worked out the deals to have them come to SummerSlam. By the mm-hmm. way, SummerSlam, your second biggest show of the year that I don't know, had 50,000 people? Do y'all do y'all understand how you sound? Revisionist, revisionist history, sir. Well, look, man. Before I wipe myself out, going crazy <laughs> off of this nonsense. It's a busy look. It's a busy week for both of us. I wanna, I want to acknowledge that my brother Mags probably was up for the better part of 40, 45 hours. 
Oh, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> Friday through Sunday, um, I had three hours sleep. Sunday through Monday, I had four hours sleep. So, seven hours in four days. 96. Yeah. I, I want to acknowledge to you guys that the reasoning for that wasn't because he's a sycophant, or I'm not sycophant, but a sadist. I may be both. Ray tripping today, y'all. Look, <laughs> I get it. Hashtag Ray out of line. But he did that for y'all because so many shows he was on, he was on two, both on Saturday and Sunday, preview shows with the big homie Josh Robinson. Shout out to Josh. He did Radio Techers. He did Chain Wrestling. He did this show. He's done so many shows. DWI. DWI. That's right. That I I want you to understand that this is the hardest working man in podcast. Sports entertainment. And I but I want to acknowledge that because a lot of y'all might not understand that because y'all get these shows when y'all get them. We're recording this on Tuesday. You'll hear it on Thursday. You might not understand the logistics of this. I live in Houston in Central Time. This man lives in the Black Country on British Summertime. <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> sorry, I, it will never go away. But I, I, but I want to acknowledge how hard we work mm-hmm. and how much we care about this. And this really is a labor of love. We're not out here making fightful money. We're not out here making what culture money, you know. We're doing this, a lot of this, because we love it and we care about y'all. So number one, I want to make sure that I give my brothers flowers because like, I, I'm inspired by him every day, legitimately, number one. I look up to him in so many regards. When I'm the one that brought him into I swear to God, I'm telling the truth. When I brought him into this world, number one. But number two, I want to- take wanna, me out. I, hey, I brought you in and out. You right. Well, I took, I took out while we watched, so technically. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'm also mentioning this because this is the part where I'm gonna shill for my company. If you go to prowrestlingtees.com slash the chair shot, all of these shirts you're buying, all of this merchandise that you're that we're providing you and we're, that you can buy goes directly to allowing us to continue to make these things for you. It doesn't go in our pockets, it's going straight back into the work, you know. And even if I may. Over on the Radio Taker side, which is, you know, is Mags' baby. Shout out to Tanner. And I'm starting to work with them, too, trying to help yes. break this whole gap and, and, like, really do great work between both of the companies, both of the sites. We're really out here trying to work hard for y'all, trying to give y'all the best quality entertainment, the best analysis, as my brother Platt would say, news, reviews, analysis, and opinion, because you're smarter than the average fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, with reviews or w- with attitude, I forgot how he does. It's flat, but we care cool. about y'all. Greetings we love y'all. Salutations, the greetings and salutations. And she'll, I'll, I'll say shalom when we leave. <laughs> and you gotta say melon farmer like five times. Uh, but nonetheless, I'm ranting now. But seriously, we care about this. We love this. We love y'all. We appreciate y'all. Support us in any way possible. If you don't want to buy shirts, which is your right, man, just like and subscribe. Yeah, right. Uh, on on your podcast device, shoot us a five star rating. Absolutely, you know it. it means tell your friends. The fact that you listen means the absolute world to us. Yeah, thank you very much. And uh, you know, we we talk a lot of hot shit on here, but it's because we love you. 
Absolutely. Um, so you'll certainly be able to hear a lot more of me here on Chairshot and as Ray alluded to over at Radio Tech as well. We, the, the whole team is working so hard to bring a lot of content. Uh, Ray, as you mentioned, is uh, over there doing, uh, going to be starting to do some new uh, new stuff over there. We've got Ori, uh, my, one of my partners. A draw. A, a changing attitude. She's coming over and, and she's got some ideas and some uh, some irons in the fire. So, yeah, we're, we're, we're grafting to provide content for, for you all. And uh, we appreciate your support. And we appreciate your love. Uh, but follow me. Uh, you can't see it, but it's down here on the stream yard at Podfather Mags. Uh, follow that guy over there at It's Ray Cash. And do your job, sir. Tell the people where they can find you. You said it. <laughs> you already said it. You can follow me at Podfather Mags. <laughs> you can find him at the Mat Attack UK. <laughs> That's a right? Shout out. Right? I'm at Texas Gentleman underscore. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> um, no, I'm at It's Ray Cash, R-A-Y's and Mysterio, C-A-S-H as in dollars. Uh, you know, every day we got multiple pods for you here at thechairshop.com. I'm on half of them. Mags is on the other half. So, <laughs> uh, but yeah, we, 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 we're giving you great content. And look, I still got all these different ideas in my brain that's coming, that's going to happen eventually. So they've been greenlit. We just got to do it. Um, so you'll see it. We'll make it happen. We're here for y'all. We appreciate y'all listening. If there's anything else, Max, we got anything else? Are we, are we done? Are we, are we got another 30 minutes. I think we have uh, we've invaded our listeners' ears for long enough. So, yeah, we out of here. Shalom. So, right? And always use your head. Flub-a-dub-dub-dub-dub. Dub. <laughs>